0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We had such a fun weekend with you guys yesterday, especially at the meetup. Thank you for coming out. We had so much fun meeting you guys, watching the race with you guys. It was pretty exciting. And boy, do we have so much to talk about. So we're just going to dive in. I'm Tiggy.
1: I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. All right. As usual, we'll start with our main takeaways. For me – it's going to be the same as usual whenever I feel like there's going to be a mix-up and then there's not. I was so optimistic going into this race. I feel like there was going to be an insane switch-up and all the drivers were going to like somehow miraculously be able to hold Max off. But seeing him go from P15 to P2 was was great, Like good for him, um, and definitely just cements the fact that he is world champion material. Kind of feels like a shoe-in and we're only two races into the season. Um, but I'm happy that Checo had a great drive and there was some other fun things as well that we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, it was definitely – it was a fun race, but I agree. It wasn't – like I was – after Quali. it was one of the most exciting yeah. Qualis we've had in so long, and I was kind of expecting a little bit more from the race, but still tons to talk about. A big highlight for me was Bernie Collins's coverage over the race weekend. It was so fun to hear her commentary. Um, check out our interview we did with her if you haven't yet, but that was amazing to hear her. um Yeah, for the race itself, I think it was fun to actually make Max work for it for a change. Like usually he's just starting at the top, finishing at the top. But I guess it was kind of fun to see him go through the field. But yeah, they definitely deserve it. But another one Red Bull 1-2 was not what I was hoping for just for the sport and for like keeping things interesting. But at least we had a well-deserved Checo win win. yeah, Mercedes and Ferrari just continue to have no answers at all to Red Bull's pace and even Aston Martin is nowhere near Red Bull either. So, yeah, I think it was fun to see a lot of teammate battles up and down the grid, like Russell and Hamilton for a while out there when Hamilton had DRS, Norris and Piastri, which we'll definitely <laughs> get into our thoughts there. Charles and Carlos, Charles was not happy to be behind him and yeah, it was interesting to kind of see some of the teammate battles and then the FIA, wow, we will we'll talk about this clown show, but they just continue to make it so themselves look so silly, like giving Alonso a penalty after the whole podium celebration, then reversing it an hour later, just just ridiculous.
2: So the races here in 2021 and 2022 were really crazy. So it wasn't quite that level, but this race still did have a lot going on. Kind of a wild fact is that this is Checo's first time winning with Max in P2, which is crazy. Wow! And Max had over 20 laps to make up a five second 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 gap to Checo and couldn't do it. Checo's just amazing on street circuits. So I actually think this was fun. So it was an example of Checo kind of really holding his own against mm-hmm. Max. And even if Red Bull's going to dominate it'll make this season way more exciting if it's closer between max and Checo. and a lot of commentators have been saying that a lot of what kind of prevented the mercedes some of the mercedes domination years lewis was clearly out front and it wasn't very exciting but some of the mercedes domination years there was still a big nico v lewis fight which kept things really exciting so maybe a bit optimistic but we'll see Besides Red Bull, a lot of the field is just really tightly packed together, so that's fun. I think Aston Martin was definitely the second best car this weekend, but overall, I think the midfield feels like a big toss-up, and then I think Aston Martin, Ferrari, and Mercedes all seem pretty evenly matched, and like they might have different track-specific strengths, so it's shaping up to be an exciting season. Like Their place right now in P2 to P4 in constructors, I can't predict. Yeah,
0: yeah like we have fun. three, at least three teams fighting for P2 right now. And hopefully we will for the most of the season.
2: The whole season. Right. So I think having one team be so dominant right now, it's like at least kind of making up for it the fact that there's a lot going on down the rest of the grid. For sure.
1: For MVPs, I'm gonna go with Russell. I think he had a great drive and he was a good sport dealing with all this FIA back and forth <laughs> drama. <laughs>
2: Yeah, his original Instagram post when he had the podium briefly was like, oh, Alonzo and Aston Martin deserved it, but thanks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For me, I have to go with Aston Martin. I think overall they expected to be improved. Um, people expected after testing that they were going to be a fast car, but I don't know if anyone expected them to be coming away from the second race weekend being the second fastest car behind the Red Bull um they just it's so impressive what they've been able to do and I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes and it's really fun getting to see Alonso kind of get to fight it out with some of these um younger talents from the next generation when as those talents came up his he was in two slow of cars.
0: Yeah. I just can't stop thinking about Vettel and like what Vettel would have looked like in this car. Um I know
2: it's so sad. <laughs>
0: For me, for my MVP, I'm going to give it to Checo. Calm, cool, collected. He had an almost perfect weekend minus the fastest lap at the end there. But I I also really like that he seems to be standing up for himself a bit more now, like asking his engineer during the race why they were asking him to go slower than the target they gave Max, mm-hmm. asking Max in the cool-down room, like, weren't you told to keep the pace, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of like that he is standing up a little bit more for himself and I kind of hope that he does that throughout the season if they are kind of close I yeah I do think the reason Max wasn't able to like close that five second gap was maybe more to do with like the drive shaft potential issues than like Max just couldn't catch Checo but I guess we never know Checo had a really great race so proud of him for LVPs mine goes like full force to the FIA. What a mess. (laughs) I think Alonso's first penalty was deserved. I mean, he spent decades in Formula One. He should know how to line up his car right at the start. But (laughs) then the FIA handing him a 10 second penalty after the podium celebration, they had more than half the race to do that. They had no issue firing off penalties in a timely fashion for Ocon (laughs) in Bahrain. So I'm not sure what took them so long here. And then Reversing their decision, like it was the right call to reverse it, but like really not instilling a lot of trust and confidence in their organization. So, confusing. so
2: pretty yeah, that was brutal. so crazy because also the reason why they reversed it originally. So you're not allowed to do any work on the car while you're serving a penalty. So you could see all the mechanics standing there with their hands above the car for five seconds, to like make it obvious for the cameras that they weren't working on the car, but the rear jack was under the car, and. After Aston Martin petitioned after the race, the steward said, oh, you're right. We made a mistake. There's no cut and dry rule that like a jack touching the car counts as work. So like, again, Ugh. you had half the race. You had – how long? An hour? Like someone could have just read the rule in that what? hour.
0: And also I heard that Aston Martin went to them with like seven or more times where this happened and they didn't, the FIA didn't give the team responsible a penalty for it.
1: And they were able to do that all in like less than an hour. And then the FIA is just like waffling after the fact. Tough. So bad.
2: I think for me, the LVP overall is probably just this race being in Saudi in the first place. I think... A lot of the drivers, first off, are uncomfortable with it. Like in the press conferences, a lot of them got asked about how it felt like returning to Saudi after all the issues last year. And a bunch of them basically didn't answer. Like either explicitly said, I don't want to answer or gave really boilerplate. Like I think Lewis said something like, we have to do what we have to do. Like we're required to come here and we're just like all doing our best. And I think it is just – we've talked, we talked a lot in our preview about all the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, but I just think there's so many countries in the world that would love to have an F1 race that are so deserving of having an F1 race. For example, there's no races on the continent of Africa. South Africa has not come together yet. And yet we're talking about a race happening in a country where, yeah, women can't drive without permission of their fathers or their husbands. So I think that's something that's just unfortunate. And it's, Hard when this race kind of gets talked about, like, oh, it's a classic. It's such a good street circuit, whatever. When that's, I feel like, shouldn't be separated from the fact that it's in Saudi.
0: <laughs>
1: 100%. For me, my LVP was McLaren, dumpster fire. Like, they literally really had true. nothing going for them this weekend. The only action we got was like some small wheel to wheel driving between Piastri and Lando, which was exciting, but it was like P15 and below. So, yeah. Zach Brown. We'll see what happens to him. How about (laughs) how our hot takes held up, Sarah? Mine
2: was that Alonzo would win. I just left it there. So that was a little too spicy. But Aston Martin was at least the second fastest car. So it's true that Aston Martin was going to have a great weekend.
0: Well, mine I think was worse. (laughs) I said Ferrari would win, and (laughs) to be fair, I did say that before we knew Charles was getting a ten-place grid penalty. But, but still, just not even close.
1: (laughs) Bummer. Well, I wanted to see a Haas, a Williams, and a McLaren in the points. All we got was K. Mag in P. Ten, so that was rough for me. But I did say another Alonso podium, so we got that.
2: And K. Mag had to fight for it. He had that back and forth with Yuki. So,
1: yeah. It was a close call for me there. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping into practice before we get into the race. For FP1, we had the Red Bulls 1-2, the Aston Martins 3-4, and the Mercedes 5-6. Ferrari was definitely looking very off the pace for that. And then in FP2, the session, I think, is the most indicative of the actual race it's under the lights. Once the track has cooled down, light quality, and the race. For for the, for FP2, we had Max, Alonso, Checo, Acon, which was exciting, Russell, and then Gasly. The Alpine definitely was looking very good. And then we had the Ferraris all the way in the back in P9 and P10.
2: For FP3, it was the Red Bull and Aston Martin show again. The order was Max, Checo, Alonso, Stroll, and Hamilton. Overall, there were a lot of issues in practice with car placement and impeding other drivers. This track is a really good example of how you need – good communication with your race engineer because since it's so narrow and fast and it's really hard to see at some points, drivers can't see everything. So the engineers have to tell them something like, oh, be careful. Galaxy's coming up in a flying lap behind you. Or, oh, there's traffic ahead of you on a lo- with a lot of cars on a slow lap, whatever it is. So there were several issues of cars not seeing other cars getting in the way and then kind of saying to their engineer, um, like, oh my gosh, you have to tell me because – I totally didn't see that. So there was definitely a lot of that, which was interesting to watch. But one thing that was so crazy was there were no crashes or big offs in practice, which is amazing since it's such a hard track. And sadly, as much as I love Mick, makes his experience here <laughs> stand out a bit more.
0: Yeah, it it was crazy. The whole weekend I was, you know, not obviously not hoping for anything, but I was really surprised that there wasn't more given the track, the speed tightness all of that but yeah i guess they just are doing well these days um for quali the track temperatures were much cooler than fp1 and fp2 high winds too so those were alternating between head and tail winds which is kind of hard to manage as a driver when you're going around the track but honestly one of the best qualis in recent memory for q1 we definitely had drivers struggling with some grip we had the Logan incident, so he set the first fastest time, but he got his lap time deleted for exceeding track limits at turn 27, which everyone was a bit confused by because – um Yeah, it's. I guess the driver notes for this weekend made it clear that having only a single wheel off violates track limits, and he went over the line on the straight after the turn, but people were confused. They're like, you can't even go off at turn 27, so what happened? But apparently, uh, I guess a little bit of a rookie move, as they say. (laughs) He also had a spin later on and then an issue on his final flying lap, so he never got a good time in, which was a bummer because he was definitely on track for a really good performance there, so that was tough. Lando also had a brutal Q1. He hit the wall on his front left on his first lap and had to box. The whole crew was fixing his car, trying to get him back out in time, but they just couldn't do it. So he got knocked out of Q1, which is only the second time in his entire career that that's happened. So that was rough. The McLaren woes just keep getting sadder and sadder um alonso he had a spin on his first lap out but he was able to get a great time in anyway stroll also pulled an awesome lap out at the end he had never gotten to q2 here at saudi before so that was exciting um and then the alpines they waited until the very last minute to send their call- cars out uh, which was very risky and it looked like it might not work but they still both made it through red bulls of course still looking in a league of their own So, in the end, in Q1, we had Yuki, Albon, DeVries, Lando, and Logan eliminated.
2: For Q2, Mercedes was out on old tires, but managed to make it through. Then Max had his drive shaft issues. Oh my gosh, Christians.
1: This was crazy. On the
2: pit wall. Max, out of qualifying, was just such a huge shock because he had just been driving away from the field all weekend he'd even been much faster than Checo in the practices so this was shocking I was worried it was the power unit at first but the commentators were kind of saying it didn't sound like a power unit failure noise turns out it was the drive shaft that was just so crazy Max also gets kind of so def- like a matter of fact when the car starts slowing down he will just be like yep car's broken <laughs> You're like oh my gosh what is going on inside his head right now Um, Except when he's like, mate, there's an issue, mate. mate. Except when they're telling him the data looks fine. And then he's like, no, something's wrong, I swear. (laughs) Um, One thing that was also wild was science was just dragging along at the back of the pack there. It looked like he was going to get eliminated, but then he made it through. And then when he pulled back in, he apologized on the radio and was like, sorry for the unnecessary stress. (laughs) (laughs) Gasly edged out Hulkenberg at the very last moment So both Alpines were into Q3 Which Otmar had said before was a goal So go Otmar, my new favorite And eliminated, (laughs) we had Hulkenberg, Joe, K-Mag, Botas, and Max
1: For Q3, we had Checo pole Fun fact, his first ever pole was actually at this race last year For the top 10 order, we had Checo, Leclerc, Alonso, Russell, Sainz, Stroll Akon Hamilton, Piastri, and Gasly. Great showing from Piastri and that McLaren as an F1 rookie. And
2: Um, we're going to get into this, but Piastri v. Norris is going to be so fun. And I think part of why a lot of people (laughs) are saying this, part of why maybe Lando hit the wall was like knowing he needed to push to actually be better than his teammate instead of just being able to count on out-qualifying his teammate every time
1: yeah it's gonna be exciting so for the starting order we had Leclerc's penalty so it ended up being Checo, Alonso, Russell, Sainz, Stroll, Ocon, Hamilton, Piastri and Gasly <laughs> We all need a little extra health booth sometimes and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder green machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production.
0: And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order.
1: So jumping into the race, we'll do start of the race, main highlights, and then we'll go team by team. So Alonso passed Checo right off the start, but as we know, he was slightly to the left and out of place, so he got a five-second penalty for that. Stroll actually had an amazing outside overtake of Carlos on the first lap Two Things were looking super bright right off the bat for the Aston Martin. So, and then Checo then passed Alonso for first on lap four, never looked back, was just cruising in first place kind of reminiscent of how max was last last race max had a super easy pass of lewis on lap 12 the pace of the cards are just so different like it just looks so easy he was into p8 by that point just kept climbing had another really easy pass of george on lap 23 and then by lap 25 basically just halfway through the race was already in p2 which is literally so mind-blowing to me (laughs)
0: And we had the safety car on lap 18 due to Stroll's failure. He was told to pull off and he did so in kind of a safe place off track, but there was still a full safety car when it looked like there probably easily could have been a virtual safety car. Mm. They later said that from the initial camera angles, they couldn't tell where his car was stopped and probably pulled the full safety car. Since on this track, you can sort of assume that the car is in a good spot, but definitely could have been a VSC. The Ferraris had already pitted at this point, so that was a big bummer for them. But it was good for Red Bull, Mercedes, and Alonso, none of uh, whom had pitted. Charles was mad at his engineer for not telling him soon enough that Hamilton was pitting, so he had left kind of a wide gap that allowed Hamilton to come out ahead and split the Ferraris. Then beautiful restart from Checo on that safety car. He pulled away from Alonso pretty easily. And then just a couple other highlights before we go by team. Albon unfortunately DNF'd on lap 27 with a brake failure. And then, with twelve laps to go, Max started complaining about a high whistling noise and then a drive shaft issue again, which is the same thing that failed during quali and then Checo shortly after had said something about having brake trouble, so there was potentially trouble in the water, but they both managed to to pull it through Is this so- foreshadowing
1: for something crazy that's about trouble the- in paradise you know. yeah. <laughs>
0: Then top 10 finishers, we had Checo and Max as a Red Bull 1-2. Alonso, Russell, Hamilton, Carlos, Charles, Ocon, Gasly, and Kmag for that final point. And then as we talked about, Alonso and George kind of momentarily swapped <laughs> when the FIA handed Alonso that 10-second penalty, but the original order was restored.
2: Going by team, so for Red Bull. They changed their story a little bit going into the weekend. They had been saying the whole thing about how the wind tunnel penalty made them stronger, but instead they started saying that they kind of expect that to take a toll as the season goes on, but that definitely did not seem to be the case as they took away just another very dominant one-two. It's actually only the second consecutive, like, back-to-back one, two in Red Bull's history. Oh, cool. The first since Vettel and Weber in 2009. Yeah. Crazy. Max has never been on pole in Saudi before, and the curse was definitely continuing this year with his drive shaft issue during Quali, as we discussed, but he wasted no time during the race climbing back up. He was in P10 from P15 by just lap eight or nine and kept pushing. He said that he was happy with that recovery. That was the best that was possible today. Also said that he's concerned with reliability and that personally, I'm not happy because I'm not here to be second
1: classic. (laughs) No, he is not
2: classic.
0: Yeah. Checo, on the other hand, had an almost perfect weekend with his pole position or race win almost the fastest lap until Max took it on the very last lap. Uh, Checo finding out that Max got fastest lap in his post race interview was pretty funny. You could just see his face and then the discussion in the cool down room with Checo asking like weren't you told to keep the pace was so awkward and Max was sitting in Checo's chair for that which was so funny. Um cringe. Yeah, 4 out of 5 of Checo's wins have been at street circuits which I don't know if you guys have seen that meme but like Checo on like a regular circuit it's just like him looking normal and then Checo on a street circuit it's like a full glow up Um, but we also did you guys see this clip we need to talk about Max's dad and his just deadpan reaction to Checo celebrating and hugging the team next to him it's like he got caught up in the celebrations and he was just looking so displeased like refused to look at Checo there's a rumor I don't know if this is true there's a rumor that like he refused to shake his hand but definitely find the clip if you haven't seen it it was it was pretty funny
1: it's the complete opposite of Checo's dad who would literally if he got p20 he would like hoist you on his shoulders and celebrate with you I
0: know um there is some potential for late race drama, as we talked about, with both of the drivers complaining about some of the the car troubles, but they managed to make it through the race. And I,
2: think, I do think, though, that the reliability thing—I think Chessa was right—that this is a bit of foreshadowing. Like they had to replace several components in both cars before the race, and Checo, afterwards, he was so nice, thanking the team so much because he was like, no one has any idea how hard. All the mechanics and this entire garage team has been working the past several days to make this happen. And the fact that Max is out in Quali, both cars were kind of having some issues towards the end of the race. I feel like it's probably one of them will have a DNF sometime soon. It just seems like there are problems kind of lingering in the background there.
0: If it's anything like last season, though, like Red Bull definitely had reliability issues at the beginning of last season. And then it was like reliability what for the rest? And they were yeah. so strong. So I feel like I have faith they'll figure it out. They also have so many, so much time before the next race and then another big break before the next race. So hopefully they have time to figure it out.
1: Before we jump to another team, let's talk about potential for team orders here, like based on what we just said. Checo on the radio asking why they were telling him to go slower than max and then the fastest lap debacle what do you guys think
0: well i guess just some context so towards the end of the race both of the drivers were told to hold pace with about a five second gap max was told to do a minute and 33 seconds but he kept going faster so then Checo was told that the target was 132.6 instead of 133 then Checo was told he was free to push but then later he said that with two laps to go, go, he was told to hold the pace and that's why he was asking Max if he wasn't. So, yeah, I think that was super interesting <laughs> dynamics. Sarah, I'm curious about your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm not totally clear on what happened at the end there. Like I was happy with – I think when they were having some reliability issues and made sense for them to be like – hold a five second gap. And it's also classic that Max kept going faster. I think it's just sometimes pretty hard to tell people not to drive as fast as they can. But I think Max needs to listen to the team when they tell him not to go faster. But anyway, then with still a decent amount left, Checo asked like, what's up? And they said, okay, free to push, free to push. Which makes sense to me because at that point, like Max wasn't going to catch Checo. It was clear the finishing position, just like drive through to the end. So I'm confused about what happened at the end with the fastest lap. Like, I think if it's true that Checo was told with two laps to go that he was told to hold the pace and then Max either wasn't or Max just interpreted it as being able to go for the fastest lap, I feel like they should have just let both drivers go for it because, again, they were free to push. It was the end of the race. I feel like it should have just been like openly communicated – to both of them that they were free to try to do another fastest lap. Um, So if that didn't happen, I feel like that's like a weird position to take. And Christian kept insisting after the race, of course, like, oh, they both knew they were free to go for the fastest lap at the end. But it seems like Checo was definitely confused.
0: Yeah. And I feel like Checo expressing his confusion, like while cameras are still on is not a typical – thing like i feel like he last year he wouldn't have asked that question in the cool down room with like cameras and mics on them um yeah
1: he's getting a little bit more confident which
0: maybe is indicative of something lurking in the water for the rest of the season with their totally. and
1: it was hilarious like when they originally told him one minute 33 seconds and he was like was max told that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm excited to see how this plays out um this is definitely not going to be the end of it Moving on to Ferrari. So both of the drivers took new power units going into the weekend. Leclerc took a 10-place grid drop from his Q2 Quali to start P12. This was his third of the season. Help. Charles had a fiery start to the race. He went P12 into the points very quick, made up a lot of ground. He was on the rare strategy of starting on softs, which was definitely an interesting move for Ferrari. But overall... Both cars definitely just seem to lack the pace of the Red Bulls, of course, but also Aston Martin and even Mercedes at times, too. They both finished over 30 seconds behind Checo. Charles was definitely frustrated on the radio being behind Carlos and also with just the pace in general. Carlos now has 20 points versus Charles' six because, remember, Charles had a DNF last race. So what do you guys think? Do we think... Carlos has a shot at being the number one driver this season is the Ferrari midfield car right (laughs) off the bat for me. I think it's just going to come down to car performance. If Charles continues to get unlucky, then yes, but Charles does want it so bad. We saw that on his frustrating radios this, this weekend. I think um, it'll be a good battle.
0: I I do think Carlos has a shot at being a number one driver this season. Like, yeah, I think part of it's going to come down to luck and like, how Charles we've seen him get unlucky so many times but yeah i mean Carlos is driving pretty well um and i do think he has a shot like i i know sarah you've said this before like charles is kind of ferrari's pride and joy and i do think there's a certain amount of truth to that but at the end of the day like if carlos is getting lucky or driving better like i can definitely see them uh, prioritizing him if that continues
2: totally ferrari's got to take their wins where they can take them but I thought this team radio was super interesting and it was pretty dramatic. Like Charles was saying, oh, it's really bleep being stuck behind like this. And knowing full well that like Carlos went in this race ahead on points, they're not going to do a team's order swap of the cars when Carlos is ahead in the points and when they're both not doing that well and it's the second race of the season. Um, So it's interesting like knowing all of that to still publicly complain about it. Um, it just felt like both number one petty and number two, like trying to make a point, <laughs> which is really interesting. So I'm I'm excited to to see where that goes. Cause yeah, I do think I do think if if science is doing better, which I do think he has a possibility of doing, I think his form towards the end of last season was great. I do think Ferrari would back him. Like Ferrari just needs to do as well as possible right now. And I think Charles would would um, not go down without a fight.
0: For sure. For Mercedes, a bit of a mediocre weekend for them overall. It did end up working out okay, but um, not, not what they were hoping for. I think Russell definitely had a lot of confusion over the radio about Alonso's penalties. He was going back and forth with his engineers on whether or not there might be another five-second one coming Alonso's way. And he was trying to squeeze out a finish under five seconds from Alonso because of that, but wasn't able to do it. Didn't end up mattering because they reverted or they reversed the Alonso penalty, which was 10 seconds momentarily. Um, But overall, Russell called it one of his strongest weekends in F1 and said that they definitely exceeded the potential of the car over the weekend, which was an interesting comment. Um, Hamilton, not the best weekend from him either. He was the only driver on a top team to be on mediums after the first pit stop. So people were a little bit confused about that. He looked like he was going to pass George with DRS for a couple laps there, but then just kind of fell off the pace, even on mediums, while George was on hard. So I don't know, maybe because Angela wasn't around to send good vibes, mm. which we'll talk about, of course. Um, Toto did confirm that some major changes are coming to the car over the next several races, and he made a joking comment that if Red Bull is concerned with their finished product looking closer to that car, uh, that they can, quote, put a little sticker on it if they want. <laughs> so... What do you guys think? Like, is Mercedes gonna come in hot with a car resembling Red Bull? Should we be optimistic that they can change their performance mid-season? What do we think?
1: How would this work? Like, are they just gonna add side pods mid season? Like it I'm excited to see what they can come up with for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious how drastic the changes are gonna be. They've said it's gonna be like made over the next several races so if that's the case like it seems like minor upgrades you know a consecutive amount of minor upgrades seem more likely but like maybe they just are gonna come in hot (laughs) with like a totally new concept which i agree seems hard to do mid-season but yeah i don't i don't know it also is gonna like take the drivers uh some time to get used to a new car too so i see it getting worse maybe before it gets better even if they do come with major changes. um, But I guess we'll find out.
1: For Alpine, we had P8 and P9 finish for Alcon and Gasly, respectively. Not too shabby for them. Definitely a better result uh, than Bahrain with Akon's million penalties and the DNF there. Um, Number one driver status between these two was unclear. We'll definitely see as the season goes on if it becomes more obvious. But definitely the Alpine was looking good this weekend. On the other hand, McLaren had a brutal weekend. Piastri was P15. Lando was P17. Piastri had to pit super early due to some front-wing damage from a clash with Gasly, which put him in the back. Lando hit some of that deep debris, which also slowed him down. Um, in the back part of the race, Lando and Piastri definitely were like duking it out. It was fun to see. Piastri bested Lando, came out ahead. Um do we think that Lando is going to be comfortably the number one driver? Or do we think that Piastri is going to give him a run for his money? I think it's too soon to tell. It's that,
0: a battle, like, baby. I think yeah. I think they're going to let him fight. And it's kind of funny. Like, if you guys have seen Lando's, uh, like, conference interviews and stuff, like, he is feeling himself. He <laughs> seems, like, pretty confident, verging on almost cocky. But, like, I think he's, yeah, mentally, I think he's pretty shaken, Um, And I think Piastri is definitely going to give him a run for his money.
2: I think one of my big predictions going into this season was that the Piastri-Lando relationship would get a bit spicy. And I do think that um, could potentially happen. And I think Lando, it's just a totally different experience when you're able to show up for years just knowing that almost no matter what, you're going to out-qualify and do better than your teammate versus every single weekend needing to show up and outperform, actively outperform your teammate. So I think that's a big switch for Lando right now.
0: For Alpha Romeo, rough race out there for Botas. He finished last of the cars that didn't DNF over one lap behind Checo. Apparently had some technical issues. They had a lot of reliability issues last year too, so I'm hoping they can pull it together Become more of a top midfield team. We're like seeing them in the back of the pack a lot. Uh Joe finished P13, which wasn't too bad, but not not what we were hoping for these two. And then Aston Martin, bit of a roller coaster ride for them. Definitely some highs, definitely some lows. They were really fast in practice and quality, but definitely lacked the pace of the Red Bull during the race, as we said. Then, of course, all the drama with Alonso's penalties, but it did end in celebration, finally, with Alonso keeping his podium, which was his 100th ever, which is huge for context. He's only the sixth F1 driver to achieve that, which is pretty crazy. And I just love that even before the penalty was overturned, he was posting on Instagram about his 100th podium, refusing to accept the demotion from P3, so... I I guess I kind of love that energy, sort of. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was amazing to see the Aston Martin crew so happy. They were just thrilled celebrating his podium. It was, yeah, they were just truly over the moon. It was very cute. So I was happy for them.
2: He posted such a hilarious meme too after the reinstatement yeah. of like a guy crying and then him smiling. I kind <laughs> of love his energy right now <laughs> for. Alpha Tauri, they had to replace DeVries' engine, so it was a bit of a rocky start to the race weekend for them. He ended up finishing in P14, and again, just kind of a bad sign for Red Bull reliability since they, of course, have a Honda Power unit. Yuki was really disappointed to fall out of the points towards the end there, losing that battle to K-Mag and finishing P11. And oh my gosh, his scream scream. during the (laughs) race... Oh. It was my a lot. God. We love a good that radio. Was like moment. Charles hitting the wall esque. <laughs> for Haas, we had P ten for K Mag and a P twelve for Hulkenberg. So really not too shabby. K Mag had just such a nice pass of Yuki in the last few laps to
1: get that final point. For Williams, despite a pretty underwhelming quality, the Williams were actually looking pretty good during the race, especially. <laughs> compared to the McLarens cementing the fact that we we think that Williams and McLaren have done a flip-flop and McLaren is the new Williams. Um, Logan was looking so good. He was showing some serious speed and promise for a lot of the race. Until the end, he fell off just a yeah, little I bit. Yeah, I have to say
0: he's been a pleasant surprise for me these first couple of races. He's had some bad luck, for sure, and some mistakes, but his pace is good, and he's looking really promising as a driver, which I didn't necessarily expect um, coming in. So I'm I'm pretty – happy with that i think it's a good showing so far
2: yeah let's get an american driver in a williams in the points (laughs) yeah
1: yeah like we can manifest that for sure on the other hand it was definitely a sad day for Albon. he had a dnf due to brake failure so with that we'll jump into some news before we wrap up i think the biggest headline of the week so heartbreaking especially for (laughs) tiggy um was that Angela's leaving Mercedes? Hamilton and Angela announced in coordinated posts on Friday that she'd be leaving the team for her next chapter, which is yet to be announced. For her background, Angela is Hamilton's longtime physio sidekick BFF support system. <laughs> when whenever you see a picture or video of Hamilton in the paddock, she's usually right by his side. It's so sad. And I'll let to, to yeah. I think I'll let you talk about this. There was definitely some like spiciness with yes. what Toto had. Yeah.
0: I mean, first of all, I was so shocked by this. I was not ready for this announcement and was not expecting it at all. We met her in the paddock at Mexico and she was just the nicest person ever. We told her that we ran an F1 podcast like, you know, targeting mostly women. And she literally found us and followed us on the spot on Instagram, which was so sweet. And she just had the nicest words. But Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm surprised by this. And I have to say, like Chessa was hinting at, Toto is on my naughty list this week. He made some ridiculous comments about it being Lewis's decision to part ways. And if that's what he wants, then fine. He then called her the mascot of the team. Like, first of all, what good does it do anyone to open your big mouth about Lewis wanting to split with her, even if it's true? Like, why? Why would you even make that a thing in the media? And then second of all, calling her a mascot, like are we in the 50s? It's just – it's such it's such poor Retween. form. I don't – like that was yeah. – I, I don't know. I usually obviously like stick up for Toto and Mercedes, but like this was – both of these comments just really rubbed me the wrong way. Not a fan.
1: Other news, there was some news about Haas and Russia that basically PBS reported on and there was a response from the Haas F1 team. So last week PBS published an article that accused the American company Haas Automation's parent company of the F-1 team, of violating sanctions by doing business with and supplying tools to the Russian arms industry. House Automation has responded saying this is false, that they terminated all relationships with Russian companies shortly after Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2022, when the sanctions went into place. House F-1 team also responded basically saying, quote, this is simply false and supporting that. Um, And just for people's background, this is the second time that the team has gotten into news related to Russia. I remember last year they cut all ties with their Russian sponsor company, Eurokali, and then of course also replaced Nikita Mazapin.
0: Yeah, super interesting. I'm I'm interested to see how this develops. But yeah, we have one side saying that like they are doing business with Russian companies in the Russian arms industry and then Haas just denying all of it. So someone's right, someone's wrong. I'm interested to see what truth comes out of that. Uh in other news they have banned bikes uh, from track walks which as we know track walks are an important part of any race weekend and oftentimes we see drivers and their teams biking or scootering on the track apparently it was just getting too hectic during the track walk especially when there are f2 and f3 support series races as well so the formula one management banned any means of transport i guess besides walking Um, and the fia supported that decision Charles said that he won't do the track walk anymore. <laughs> um, and for drivers who don't want to do it, they'll be allowed to review video footage of the track recorded earlier in the week. And there wasn't even a typical Thursday track walk scheduled at Jeddah since they had closed the track for Will I Am to film a music video. So that was interesting. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, just like silly. Why? Why? I don't know. I guess if there's like a safety concern, sure. But banning bikes just seems. I don't really understand that.
1: Like Maybe they, they banned like, motorized stuff and they'll let people do the bikes, but no one wants to do the, bikes any- the track <laughs> walks anymore, so it's their fault, <laughs> their loss. To wrap it up, we're going to do radio of the week. For us, it was Checo's, quote, that was a wicked job, guys. Vamos. That was really nice. The constructor's standing. So we have Red Bull in 87, and then Aston Martin and Mercedes tied with 38, Ferrari down there with 26, Alpina 8, Alfa Romeo at 4, and then Haas and Williams with 1. And then we have zero points for AlphaTauri and McLaren, which is definitely a shocker. For driver standings, we have Max at 44, Checo at 43 since he lost out on fastest lap, Alonso at 30, Carlos and Lewis tied with 20, George at 18, Stroll at 8, and Charles with 6. So with that, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you guys in Australia. We won't actually be in Australia. Mentally, we'll be there. Um, But that's not for two weeks. So look out for our preview coming soon.